So welcome to the Remotely Human podcast. This series is about how to hybrid and we're doing it in two ways. So we're recording our entire conversation and we're also doing an edited roughly 20 minutes version of it. So in our in this longer version, you'll hear us cut into some questions, but we'll chat a bit before and then we'll chat a bit afterwards. So if you like a long podcast, this is what we're here for. And if you like a short podcast, then you can dive into the short one. Okay, so I am joined today by Becca Mealy, um, and I have said your name right. It is Mealy right? Yeah, Mealy. Yeah, yeah. Mealy. Which is quite yeah. ironic because there is a, a pest in horticulture called Mealybug. So yeah. <laughs> wow, you've already sto- you've already stolen some glory there because um, I I was trying putting this series together like how to hybrid. Whenever you see an article written about subjects, then somebody normally dives into the etymology of a word, and I think, well, you know what? I'd like to talk to somebody who really knows about hybridization. So I've been stalking a few people at the Royal Horticultural Society on LinkedIn and Becky you bit Um, so so part of today this session is to explore what hybridization is like from people that actually do it and then of course go what can we learn from that but before we do that I would love you if you could give me a quick blast of how you've got to becoming what you are and end up maybe in what you are so Who are you, Becky? Yeah, so I am Becky Mealy and I am a horticultural advisor for the RHS. I've been working for the RHS for 20 years now, which is quite scary. I came there as a student and then had kind of worked my way through different jobs at the RHS. So I was in in the Arboretum after being a student, had a year off of good behaviour for having my daughter and then kind of knocked on the door of um, the chief horticultural advisor at the time, Guy Barter, and said, oh, Guy, I really like doing the advisory. Do you need me to help? And yeah, we, I, I got a job. Um, so, and again, I've, I've, this job has progressed. So I was an assistant advisor, then promoted to an advisor. And basically my job is like being a plant GP. So people come to me with their poorly plants or they want a plant for a specific place. Um, so yeah, problem solving, agony ant for plants. Oh, who knew that you? Who knew that role even existed? That's not not something you learn at school, is it? That you can become no, a, no, a plant it, GP. Exactly, it, it, it's just one of those things that's just kind of evolved over time. And and yeah, it is quite a specialist job. And yeah, it's it's fun every day. But you didn't study horticulture. I studied horticulture after I left school. So I left school at sixteen because. Yeah, A-levels just didn't suit me. So I went into college, did three years at Reese Heath College at um, Cheshire, up in Cheshire. And yeah, then kind of was 19, not sure where to go and where to go from there. Um, and the RHS diploma for two years was calling and applied and I got on. Yeah, it was. It was but you've also studied some, done some business studies too. Yeah, I did business studies at school. So I've got GCSE in business studies. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> interesting. so you have some idea of this business yeah. world that we're, we're yeah. connecting with. And, but that's my job, right? Well, so I want to dive a little bit deeper into hybridization because it is if hybrid isn't the word of the year, I don't know what is going to be. And there's lots of businesses talking about how they are going to hybrid. Well, are they? They're trying to they're exploring how they're going to do hybrid and events are talking about hybrid. And it probably drives you a little bit bonkers because <laughs> you hear hybrid used in lots of different ways. So can you first of all, maybe tell me what is from a horticultural point of view, what is hybridization and what do we experience that is a hybrid? So there is a lot of levels of hybridization within 
the plants. So you get natural hybridization. So that's like evolution, natural selection. As that's what plants would do in the wild. So they would die out if the, there was too cold or, you know, they, they weren't pollinating correctly. They didn't have a pollinator that they'd, you know, they'd made friends with. So that would naturally happen from natural selection. Um, and then what's happened over time, humans have come along picked out plants that they like. Oh, I like this one. I'm going to keep seeds from that one because that one's got a really nice flower. Or I really like the taste of this one. So I'm going to keep that one and, and retain those genetics to then, it, you know, help get the plants that we now eat and enjoy. Um, tomatoes are one of the most hybrid fruit that we eat. So yeah, so they have been bred to, you know, have the nice long shelf life that you, they have to travel, to have the sweetness, to have disease resistance, so that's and so if you were to buy a packet of tomato seeds, you might spot on them that they've got an, they've got F1. So an F1 hybrid has got very strong parent lines where they've been honed and toned to have that kind of really strong um you know, having a very good, strong genetics to have that nice looking tomato at the end of it. And those have then got plant breeders rights on them so that they are protected from other people copying that. So I've just discovered that my way of working and I've been working hybrid, I would say, for a decade is more like natural selection hybridization. Yes, yeah. it's happened because I've been an independent, I've been independent, I've been freelancing. So sometimes I'm in office, sometimes I'm working remote. But what we're facing now is more of a forced hybridization or a yeah. human hybridization. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So you're um, a field pollinated um, plant. So something like a hellebore. They're gorgeous. They, you know, they, they naturally hybridize themselves. I've got them hybrid in, in my garden at the moment. Yeah. And then other people are more like tomatoes and strawberries that have been honed and toned to be you know, on the shelf and ready for people to buy. So at the moment, we're in that bit in between, though. So somebody has identified that wouldn't it be better if tomatoes lasted longer or were smaller or bigger or juicier or fleshier and strawberries that sweeter or all those different versions. So that's the, the zone we're in at the moment. We're kind of in the lab or in the greenhouse. Yeah. Do horticulturists know what they're aiming for? Is there a vision or is it random and by chance that where we end up? It's a mixture of both. They'll always have something that they know they want to have that disease resistance because so things like tomatoes get tomato blight and that can completely wipe out a crop. And then also with the ever-changing climate, water usage is a big thing. So it's making sure that the crops are, you know, not too hungry and costing the growers a lot of money to produce and, and produce the crop to get money for. Whereas your growers of plant firm flowers and shrubs, they'll always have something like a, maybe like a little lab that where they're, they're, they're having a few ideas, having a few crosses, or will that cross that? Because with plant crossing, you can hybridize different genuses and species and get really different plants which obviously your, your plant geeks will absolutely love, but the general public might then not want to grow or have the ability to grow because that's that's another element of that is it's the right person for the right product.
Now, if you're listening to this How to Hybrid podcast and you're going, why am I listening to a conversation <laughs> about tomatoes and strawberries? I, to me, there is some really interesting stuff that you've just said there. So as a, as a leader, when we're now we're in this experimentation zone of hybridizing work, right? So what, how does work become the future of work? One of the first things you said was you talked about tomato blight. So what do we want to avoid? I think is really interesting. We might, might want to have disease resistance. Of course, recognizing the diseases or the, the faults that we might be prone to or were prone to is part yeah. of how we can design the future. I love that. That's really interesting. I really like also this idea of mashing things up a bit. So there's one version of hybridization you've talked about is right. You, you're clear. We want to avoid certain diseases. We want to reduce the water use. We want to so maybe be more environmentally friendly as a, as a business. Great. There's also this other what happens if. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I think I recently had something that was a Brussels sprout crossed with kale. Right. Yeah. Yeah weird things colettes i think yeah. they're called um nice. some people love yeah you love them i'm not yeah, sure about them myself um, <laughs> um but um i'm not a kale fan maybe that's why maybe not even a brussels sprout fan so then it was never destined to win for me but the um but the idea of what happens if i think is something that is really interesting but really difficult for an organization to bring in because leaders are expected to know the answers well yeah. certainly they were Mm. Um, and I think that's something that we would is worth playing with from what, what you've talked about. Let's do the first stream, which is, you know, you want to get rid of tomato blight or, you know, you want a, a plant that uses less water and still produces good quality fruit. Yeah. Is there a lot of mistake and mess made in that process? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So sometimes it's the, so the plants are cross pollinated. So you have plant A and plant B to produce plant C. But what will happen is they have a lot of genetic, it's different genetic mishmashes of A and B. So obviously over time, as those lines get more refined, they will be more selective and, you know, it will have more control over the outcome. But there will be always that odd throwback. And if you were to have F1 seed yourself to then grow seed from that seed, you would have the odd throwback and the odd difference from the old parent plants if because sometimes these things aren't a stable cross so sometimes over time they can either revert or you'll get something completely different so I love this right this is why I wanted to talk to you Becky because there's a few things in there so even to get to the solution you want there's some mess and nonsense the stuff goes on right it doesn't work we need to rethink we need to go okay let's choose the best of best of the best of the combinations, right? So that's one thing that has to be done. So even when you start hybrid and however you've defined it, there is going to be times when things just, oh, that didn't really work. Let's re, let's reshape, we choose, let's select the bits that did work, be aware that sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But there's also this other thing that once you're in the zone of doing hybrid and it seems to be working well, over time, you can start, it starts to dissipate. It starts to fail again. And that's yeah. so true with humans, yeah. right? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. so as you're working in an organization, you go, right, we've got it nailed. Hybrid's working. And then three months later, it's like, oh, it's all gone horribly wrong. Sounds like that can happen with tomatoes and strawberries too. Yeah, absolutely. So we have, so things get assessed. So you might have also noticed on um, some plants, they've got an AGM. So that is Award of Garden Merit. So if you buy a plant that's got an AGM, then you know that's been assessed and that is, you know, a very good plant. 
But over time, things, you know, unravel. So also they get reassessed and they can actually lose that award, which obviously the plant breeders don't want to happen because that means that that plant won't get bought as much. But it's still having that assessment just to check that it's still a good plant that people should have in their gardens. Love that. Right. So we need some kind of assessment. And AGM is all over businesses, right? But yeah. we need some kind of assessment of of are we are we still doing what we set out to do? And so I'm talking to some some um, companies about you, we need to create a vision of what we want. So we need to identify what we do and actually what we don't want as well. So we don't want tomato blight in our organisation, no, right? No. But we do want more efficient use of water. That's one thing that's creating the vision, but also to build in checkpoints. So prime ministers and presidents have this first 100 days, maybe the first 100 days of hybrid, there needs to be what bits have worked. Well, what can we learn from bits that haven't worked? But also, has it all gone? Have we lost sight of the vision? Have we? Do we need to then re, regrow this plant, regrow this hybrid? So we talked about that type um, and then we talked about this mashing up of ideas that involves for me a lot of play in the workplace. That's my bread and butter. Play in the workplace is where we start to really create community and culture and laughter. Wouldn't it be funny if the horticulturists go, wouldn't it be funny if, if we crossed a, this with a that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they, 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 they try everything. Um a grafting is another thing that gardeners do where they graft a certain rootstock to a, a top. A lot of your roses are grafted, apple trees are grafted. So they do. Yeah, there's a lot of Frankenstein plants that go on. <laughs> <laughs> Frankenstein work is probably to be expected as well, yeah, I think, yeah, in, the, in yeah. this hybrid experimentation. <laughs> Now, grafting is interesting because, as I understand it, which I don't very well, you take one particular, maybe a, a tree that's doing something interesting and putting it on a really healthy rootstock. That's right. Right? Yeah. In, in yeah. essence. Yes. I think that's kind of interesting. So you've got a really healthy business that was doing really well before the pandemic kicked in. And you identify a small business or a, either a, a, a business that you buy in and acquire or a business that is a, a small element of your organization that's doing hybrid really well maybe that we can graft the learning from that onto the healthy rootstock yeah absolutely yeah no there's it's and but so again it's making sure that graft that union between the two is strong because that's usually what happens with the plants is the graft can fail um so it can get that that's what that's the weak point is the graft so that again it's making sure that those um, organisations have, have have signed all their papers and and you know a complete understanding of of the you know situation. But also combining the two, there's there's mm. some two different cultures going on there, two different things. Yeah. So that yeah. so you have to wrap and combine those two things so that they actually work together rather than both fail. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And then sometimes what can happen with the rootstocks, rootstocks can be quite strong, so they can actually send up suckers from the roots. And then outcompete the top. So yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, plenty of people have seen those suckers in business, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But but that is interesting as well because so the, the the suckers from the root can overwhelm the graft, and therefore what you what you're trying to bring in from the graft isn't working for. Yeah. God, this is this is more fruitful. Excuse the phrase. <laughs> and this is more fruitful than I even I anticipated. That's great. Okay, so my my concern with hybrid is that a lot of organisations are thinking about. If you're in the office, this is how the office is going to work and lay out. If you're in, if you're at home, this is how we sort of expect people to hopefully work at home. Are you working with sometimes people in 
at Wisley. So you're that they're in person together and you're you are remote. Yeah, so we're in a little bubble. So there's a, a few people that I work with in during the uh, the week on Mondays, and then when I'm at home, we sometimes obviously message each other and email. So we're in constant contact really with people. But there's there are certain tasks that I prefer to do at home than I do in the office. Um, I I do a Twitter clinic on a Tuesday um, for the RHS and. That's nice to be at home and not have any, anybody coming up and answering me, asking me questions and interfering. <laughs> and what do you what, and what do you like doing once you're at Wisley? What's what's the difference? It is integrating with all the different um, departments. So we don't always see the scientist, and we don't always see the people from education. So it is, and, and also the contact with the public because it is nice to have that face to face and understanding. So we have a phone service, but with the phone service, you can't see what that person on the other end looks like. You can't see that that blank face saying, I have no idea what you're or, or you might be pitching it too low and they have a complete understanding and you're patronising them. So it's it's getting that balance and that face to face that brings that. And I think that's one of the hard things that um, is not just an organisation responsibility. It's a personal responsibility to work out. Am I using my at home time and my in office time to the best the best use and what works best from home so you're when you're doing the twitter the twitter work it you don't want the distractions but there may be times when you want to do a live chat and you'd actually like to have the scientists there so you can bring people in and that would be probably easy to do in person absolutely yeah have you had experiences of a whole team in wisley recently i mean we used to do this a long time ago a whole team in wisley and you're at home how is that interaction working it's we haven't had a whole team yet so we're still in bubbles where we're going back in drips and drabs so it you know you do miss those different elements of the team and it and it you know you do start to miss oh i I missed what that person brings to the person you know the party type thing but then it's yeah it works for some things but it doesn't work for everything cool so from a horticultural point of view when you're looking at hybridization what top tip if somebody if we all suddenly became hybrid hybridization horticulturalists what would be your top tip on how to make that work it's definitely assessing what plants are the strongest um looking for that disease resistance looking for those nice flowers that hold the head up there's no point in having a nice big flower if you haven't got a good sized plant to hold that flower and then also making sure that people who are going to be growing that plant can actually look after that plant because Again, there's no point of having that plant and them not having the right environment to ha- to grow that plant if, if they're taking it home. Um, so, yeah, it's so always assessing them, always having a look. And if it's not working, um, put it on the compost heap. I think that, in a nutshell, is the advice that I'm talking to a lot of businesses about. And you've got to experiment. You've got to look at the whole system, the individuals, what you want, yeah. what you don't want. And also not be afraid to chuck stuff out when you've learned that they don't work. Oh, God, Becky, thank you so much. That was a, an amazing insight into um, hybridisation from a real hybridisation horticultural point of view. Becky Mealy, that rocked. Thank you very much. <laughs>